even though if you feel that your loss is insignificant or that not that much to you, is is a piece of investigative material that could be really useful in taking down a really organized and, and sophisticated criminal organization. Welcome to Commando on Demand Insider, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and we are continuing our coverage of all the scams that are taking advantage of people during this coronavirus pandemic. There are more scammers now than ever before, and to protect you and your family and keep you up to date on everything that's going on, In just a bit, Kim talks with Tom Edwards, who's the U.S. Secret Service special agent in charge. And as far as what does the Secret Service have to do with the pandemic and all the scams going on, uh, he's going to tell you about that in just a few moments. And how scammers are after your stimulus checks. That and much more. Kim also talks with Lori Hodges. She's the vice president of North America Risk at Visa. She's going to talk about the level of sophistication in the new phone scams and how Visa is addressing the fraud and counterfeiting that's going on right now. And just what can you do if you do get hacked? And by the way, this is not the nationally syndicated Kim Commando show on over 400 radio stations nationwide. Podcast version of the show is available at GetKim.com. And right now, if you use promo code Kim, you're going to get a 30-day free trial. Again, that's at GetKim.com. Getting started in just a moment with U.S. Secret Service Special Agent in Charge, Tom Edwards, on Commando on Demand Insider. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. No doubt Google and Facebook, they've been trying to fight the spread of everything from coronavirus misinformation to hoaxes and scams and price-gouging sellers. And then there's the dark web. According to a report by Vice, an ad was posted on a dark web marketplace called OwnShop, and the seller behind the ad claims to be infected with coronavirus. Now, this person is selling their saliva and their blood for a 1000 bucks. Since it's supposedly able to make someone who has not gotten the virus immune to the virus, and the ad insinuates that it could be used to treat other patients. Now, it's not true. It's all a hoax. It's part of a massive surge of COVID-19 related scams on deep and dark web marketplaces. You see, criminals are exploiting public fear by offering products like test kits and temperature detectors and vaccines. Again, none of it's real. It's just used to make money or to trick people into turning over information. And get this, the number of domains registered using the words corona and COVID jumped from less than 200 last year to over 40,000 through March. I'm Kim Commando. In this Commando and Demand podcast, you're going to learn about the scams that you need to watch out for and also warn your family against. I mean, be that advocate because the pandemic has led to an explosion of phishing attacks. And these are where criminals try to trick you into revealing personal data. I mean, Google says it was blocking more than 100 million phishing emails every single day. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine that? 100 million phishing emails every 24 hours. 
And over the past week, almost a fifth were scam emails related to coronavirus. So joining us here on this podcast, we have a couple of really great folks. You're just going to love this podcast. Uh, first of all, we have Tom Edwards. He's a U.S. Secret Service special agent in charge. Yes, we all want to be a special agent in charge. And also Lori Hodges. She's the vice president of North America Risk for Visa. So Tom and Lori, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. So, Tom, let's start. I mean, first of all, when we say, you know, Secret Service, we picture those guys and gals in the dark suits and whispering into their collars or their wrists. How did you all get involved in coronavirus scams? That's a great question, and we get that all the time because people do just confuse us with our protective mission. We've actually been protecting the nation's financial uh, system since 1865 when we were created by uh, Abraham Lincoln before he went to Ford's Theater that night to get fatally shot um, as an agency to go and investigate counterfeit money. Uh, because after the Civil War, almost one-third of the money that was in circulation at the time was counterfeit. So the U.S. government needed an agency to go investigate that, that type of crime. Fast forward 250 years later, we've evolved with the financial payments uh, to include identity theft, uh, credit cards, checks, anything to do with the financial industry. The Secret Service has a role in investigating financial crimes and cyber-enabled enabled financial crimes. So you guys are all over this. We are. And uh, like us and, and all the other agencies in law enforcement, both at the state, local, and federal level, COVID-19 investigations are a top priority for us because we know uh, there's a lot of nefarious actors out there in cyberspace uh, that are trying to take advantage of the American people and, and the stimulus checks that are being doled out uh, to at this time. You know, let's talk about the stimulus checks. Uh, You know, I've heard reports where people are getting like fake checks in the U.S. mail. Uh, There are all these fake websites that say, you know, we're going to help you figure out if you have the stimulus check or how to get your payment. What are some specific scams related to the stimulus check that you're seeing right now? Well, your intro was spot on as far as the phishing that you're seeing through through email uh, and also robocalls. Uh, what uh, what they're trying to do in, in relation to your stimulus check, they're trying to collect your social security number, your personal information, so they can get ahead of you and file for that for that stimulus check before you do, especially if you haven't filed for a return. And with that information, they'll get ahead of you and have that check directed directly at, uh, to to their account as opposed to yours. And I would also imagine because now we don't have to file our taxes by the last deadline, right, and that they could actually use this information to file taxes and maybe get a possible refund as well. Would that be safe yep, to you're, say? You're, you're absolutely right, Kim, and that's one of the top recommendations from the IRS, that if you haven't filed your taxes, do it as soon as possible so that someone doesn't get a, get ahead of you with your stolen information. Because, as you know, so much of our data is out there in, in the dark web and, and uh, other nefarious places online, and, and it's being sold and traded every day uh, to be exploited by very sophisticated criminal organizations, both here domestically and abroad. So you don't want to give them that opportunity if, if you don't have to. Now, are you also seeing an increase in social engineering scams? I mean, like, I would imagine, like, if if I was a criminal and I know everybody that's working at home, I could send an email out saying, you know, I'm the CEO and I need you to follow these steps and, uh, you know, make sure you change your password, you know, things along those lines. 
Yeah, you know, I um, generally I think you're seeing a, a, a more sophisticated attack towards our personal information um, because they have so much unique data about us that they can target us through social engineering because of all the all the um, security features or factors that they that different companies have put in place in order, you know, as far as two-factor authentication or passwords. Um, those need um, some level of sophistication, an actual person to get through. Uh, a very complicated system. So you, you're starting to see, if especially if you're after the big money, um, you're going to see a social engineering attack to try to get that data. So, you know, it used to be, we always make fun of it, the, the telltale signs of the Nigerian prince, right, who selected me out of the 200 million people on the Internet to decide that I would be able to get my fortunes. And then, of course, there was the typos. And then we've seen the the scams actually get more sophisticated over the years that the typos are gone, right? They're using big logos. It looks like Apple's homepage. Are there other, any other telltale signs that we should be warning our listeners about? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right that uh, that these emails look better and better each time. Those those common spelling mistakes or syntax errors aren't there anymore, and they look really professional and really well done. You really have to pay attention to the links that they include in those emails that um, that really belong to your bank or your financial institution, and you never want to click on uh, on on those, or at least until you check them out, or click on any attachments associated with that email because as you know. Many of those attachments that come from these suspicious emails offering you rich rewards or easy money uh, come with some type of malware or ransomware attached to them. So is the Internet Crime Complaint Center, is that still up and running? Yeah, the IC3 is still up and running and um, collecting uh, uh, complaints uh, every day. And that's one of the great resources that, that we have at the federal government to, to collect all that data that, that consumers and businesses can report to, to law enforcement. It really helps us keep a, a pulse on the latest trends of, of uh, what criminals are doing out there. Yes, I've been a long, long-time proponent of that site. I mean, and I, but I've always wondered. I mean, you know, I submit things, and I tell our listeners and our viewers to submit things. But I always wondered, like, does it just go to this big black hole, or is there somebody who actually, you know, has there been any real cases that they've solved? There's always, yeah, I, I understand the, the, the hesitation, but there's always cases that, that get solved out of, of reporting these complaints to the IC3, or uh, we also have the disaster fraud hotline uh, as part of the National Disaster Center for Disaster Fraud that was created after Katrina. Um, every piece of the puzzle, uh, even though if you feel that your loss is insignificant or that not that much to you, is, is a piece of investigative material that could be really useful in taking down a really organized and, and sophisticated criminal organization. So if you don't call us that with that information, then there's chances that other people would be victimized, friends, family, other members of the community. So if you hold on to that information, then you're just allowing the, the bad guys to perpetrate their crime. So uh, it's always good to call and, 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 and share that, that experience. Sometimes it's embarrassment. People don't want to share that they've been a victim of a crime or fraud. Um, I, I, I always say, hey, get Get it off your chest. At least you'll find that that (laughs) someone is doing something about it. Hey, if you have a question about something digital, especially now during this pandemic, and you need answers, you can get unbiased tech advice 
that, of course, you can trust from America's digital pro, Kim Commando. Just go to commando.com and in the upper right-hand corner, click on the Be a Caller button. We'll get some details about your question, and then a producer will get in touch with you to set you up with a call on the show. And we thank you. More coming up with Kim's conversation with U.S. Secret Service Special Agent in Charge Tom Edwards. They're going to talk about how criminals just have no scruples and they're taking advantage of the elderly, but also, surprisingly, how they're taking advantage of super smart people. Plus, we'll talk to Lori Hodges, who's the vice president of North America Risk at Visa, what you need to look out for on your credit card, how they're taking advantage of credit cards and what you can do to stop from getting hacked. Coming up on Commando on Demand Insider. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You know, so often, Tom, that we, we hear that these scams are targeting the elderly, you know, by robocalls. And I mean, you know, my mother's 81 and every once in a while she'll send me an email or a text and or call me and say, you know what, AOL, because uh, she's still on America Online. I can't, you know, you need to get off of AOL. But she'll say, you know, I, I have this problem with AOL and they tell me if I have to click here that they're going to charge me or whatever it is. Um are these scams targeting the elderly that we're seeing now, or is it just all across the board? It's all across the board. You know, the elderly are always the low-hanging fruit because they're lonely and they want to they answer the phone. I get the same calls from my mother, so we share that in common, as probably <laughs> many people do. Um, and she's been doing it for 10 years, and I tell her not to answer the phone when she <laughs> doesn't see that I call. But um, with let me give you some, some statistics. So the, the loss for Sandy was $75 billion. For, for Katrina, it was $108 billion. That was in damages. Now you're talking about a two trillion dollar stimulus package that's being um, that's being authorized by 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 the Congress by the president that's going out to everybody. So um, you it, it's it, to discriminate and not you know just like a good business these criminal organizations are going to try to get as many victims as they can. So they just uh, can't just solely focus on on seniors. Um, they're going to focus on anyone who's desperate to to get money uh, to make their rent payments or, or their car payments. So everybody uh, can can be a target. You know, which is interesting because, you know, you some, I also have um, some family members who are millennials. And I'm really surprised how many times they call me. Because as you might imagine, you know, in my family, I'm like the tech matriarch. Okay. So if anything happens, it's like, oh, well, just call Kim. You know, I need a website. Call Kim. Uh I need to figure out how to file for the PPP for the small business. Call Kim, you know, but but I'm really surprised that that sometimes I, I hear from the millennials uh, in the family that say, you know, I, I just got this notification and is it legit? So it really does go all across the board, doesn't it? 
It does. It does because um, each generation looks at information differently, and um, you know the, the filters that, that we all develop uh, through our generational experience aren't the same. So it doesn't really matter. You're absolutely right. Uh, whether you're 18 or or 85, um, you're going to be uh, curious about these things, especially when they're offering large sums of money from a Nigerian prince. I'm still waiting for that Nigerian prince. How about you? <laughs> I am too, and I think I have there's some oil deal that's waiting to come through as well. Uh, there's there's a couple of things I've been working in in Western Africa for, you know, for 20 years. Just, you're just really amazing that you get to do all this from San Francisco. It's really something. Uh, you know, this uh, the Secret Service is a, is a really u- unique and elite law enforcement agency, both in the protected and investigative mission. And uh, what we're trying to do in, in cyber-enabled crime is uh, one of a kind as far as trying to target these large criminal organizations that do this for profit um, and to try to do that for for uh, the defense of our national security and, and our, our financial systems is uh, is really a privilege. Well, you know, it's speaking of privilege, it was, I guess, in October, I went out to uh, Air Force Base in Ohio, and I did a keynote for NASA. And I remember when I first got the phone call, I'm like, because uh, the CTO of all of NASA called me, he said, we want you to come out and, and teach our employees about cybersecurity. And I'm like, really, you guys are like rocket scientists, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, what's going on here? And what they did is they broadcast this uh, this training session that I did to all 66,000 NASA employees. But I'll never forget the conversation that when he told me, he said, you know, we may, we may all be rocket scientists, and we are rocket scientists. But if Apple sends somebody a password reset, you'd be surprised how many of our rocket scientists will actually click that link. Yeah, and you're, you're so right because you know these are busy people, and uh, they're they have all kinds of bigger things to worry about. What's what's good is, as you know, as an expert and knowledgeable on the field, that the, the click rates in the last few years have definitely gone down. You know, it used to be um, pretty high, but uh, unfortunately, people are getting educated about cyber hygiene. And uh, but you st- it only just takes that one person to click and, and take down your whole whole network. Um, we've seen. Some a rise in ransomware, um, and that's something that uh, that we're really um, worried about as it relates to hospitals going forward, um, and additional waves of attack, uh, not only on the on the financial payment data, the, your personal data, the stimulus, but um, you know some of the potential ransomware attacks that that, that could hit um, these the very vital uh, key resources in the medical field. Well, I had heard that when the pandemic first really hit, then we're talking about like you know the beginning of March, we started really hearing about in the United States that the folks on the dark web, as honorable as they probably are, said, you know, we're going to like give the medical institutions, uh, the cancer or pardon me, not cancer, the vaccine research center, where it may be, whatever it may be, we're going to give them a break. So we're not going to start attacking them. Well, that lasted for like a nanosecond. And then they started going after them. You're right. Oh, it's a phrase. There's no honor among thieves. You know, eventually the those codes break down, like the mafia. And um, yeah, once once the low hanging fruit and the easy profit has been made, um, then these these uh, these more less ethical uh, hackers and organizations enter into the picture and um, can cause some serious damage. So so important that everybody backs up their data every day um, before they go to before they go home. 
Yeah, back it up and, you know, set all the two-factor authentication. It's a hassle. I get it. But, you know, uh, make sure that your answers to your secret questions aren't on your Facebook page. <laughs> That's another yeah. good one. Uh, or on your LinkedIn account. I mean, you know, it's it's all these things that we've been talking about. But suddenly now I think we have a whole rage of people that, that may be unfamiliar with this. And they just hop online, they get home, and they think everything's going to be honking dory until we see that Zoom that went from 10 million uh, meeting participants to a day in December to over 200 million every single day. Could you imagine? I mean, that's something for the record books right there. That's unbelievable. Just the, the telework and the video conferencing that has happened since then, it's unreal. And, and to test these systems at, at this time is is even a bigger challenge. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with the security features for these uh, conference. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So I'm going to switch gears right now, and I'm going to bring in Lori Hodges, and she's the Vice President of North American uh, Risk of Visa. Hi there, Lori. So, so tell me, what happens if somebody does get scammed? Right. No, great question. Um, when U.S. consumers who are using their Visa debit and credit products are scammed and are successfully falling for, um, for events that lead to fraudulent charges, Visa does have a zero liability policy, um, and what that means is that consumers, in partnership with their bank or credit union, can file a fraudulent claim, which would then be researched. But with the zero liability policy, um, the the U.S. financial institution would reimburse that cardholder. So, you know, let me ask you a question. Because I've always wondered this myself, and I, I bet you the listeners are wondering too. Uh, I go to use my credit card and it comes back and it says, sorry, we've detected fraud. Okay. So mm-hmm. your, your, your card is frozen and you're like, no, it's actually me. Okay. I, right. and I've had my credit card used in like Lithuania to buy like airline tickets and five iPads and four iPhones in a day, which, you know, I don't understand how those transactions got through. But when I tried to use it here in Phoenix, Arizona, it said, no, how how fast do your computers operate to be able to detect that type of fraud? Uh, quite sophisticated. So there's multiple layers of fraud management going on in any particular transaction, which starts with the merchant. And depending upon the level of sophistication of the merchant, they're running fraud mitigation. Their bank, the merchant bank, is also running fraud mitigation. Uh, in the U.S., U.S. merchants are pretty sophisticated. Our big e-commerce and digital retailers quite sophisticated with fraud mitigation. Then that transaction makes it to Visa. We are running both AI and machine learning models on that transaction based upon prior spin patterns of that 16-digit American number. We call it a PAN. Then it makes it out to the issuer and their processor. They're also doing risk mitigation checks and running rules up against what is normal spend behavior for that cardholder. Multiple layers of, um, of spend is being analyzed and scored all in real time. Um, so from a visa perspective, we're doing 500 checks um, on, on the data fields in a blink of an eye. Wow, that is something. And then, so when I call... Uh, then you have my phone number. So that's one one way that you're authenticating me. Is there voice authentication too? 
So depending upon the solution that, that your bank or credit union is using um, and how what that interface is, either with a device or with a merchant, will then depend on the level of um, additional checks that would be would be validated and verified. So if you're calling or if, you're, if your phone number is being used as a part of the transaction, then your bank or credit union would be validating that phone number, not Visa. Hey, remember, you can Google anything and watch YouTube videos from who knows who, but there's just one place to get Kim's trusted advice. Check out the Commando community. Right now, get a free 30-day trial by using promo code Kim. That's promo code Kim at GetKim.com. GetKim.com, promo code Kim for your free 30 days. Back with more of Kim's interview with Lori Hodges, the vice president in charge of North American risk at Visa, here on Commando on Demand Insider. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. So just just a generic question. So I give my credit card to somebody, a phishing scam or what have you, or some coronavirus cure, vaccine, fill in the blank, right? Uh, Right. Stimulus, payment. And then I realize probably probably right after the fact, it seems to me that people realize it like immediately or like three days later. <laughs> That's when normally right. I hear from somebody. It's like it was either like they figured it out or it, or they've been sleeping on it and they wake up and they go, you know what? That's probably not a good thing that I did. Um, and then they call Visa up and – what type of information would you like people to be able to provide to you? Right. So cardholders are going to call the bank that issued their card, and then that bank or credit union will follow visa rules and policies associated with the dispute. Um, so generally, uh, when you call to make that dispute, your bank or credit union will ask you about the conversation, will ask you about the transaction. So they already have it in their authorization logs. They can see the transaction, um, describe what happened, um, and then they would file then a fraud dispute. So if you're claiming fraud, um, then that's a fraud dispute. If you're claiming goods and services not received, that's a different type of dispute. So if you signed up to buy some magic potion um, to solve uh, the coronavirus and that potion was not delivered in the mail, really all that that vendor wanted to do was capture your card data, that would be a bit different than a fraud dispute. That's more of a goods and services not received because there was never anything received. There's 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 differences between fraud. You know what? Explain the differences between that, please. So fraud, fraud is typically counterfeiting or loss stolen. So if you as a cardholder had your 16-digit primary account number, we call a PAN, um, stolen from various places. So say your information was available on the dark web, somebody bought your profile 
um, which includes your account number, your expiration date, your name, your um, phone number, and let's say your mother's maiden name. So that profile was purchased, and they begin charging on your account because they know it's still good, and um, that is counterfeiting versus you having your card lost, you were carrying your purse, uh, you were sitting at a restaurant and your purse was on the back of a chair and the wallet was slipped out of your purse without you knowing, that's lost stolen. And so so let's say it is fraud because I did, like you used the word, magical lotions and potions or whatever it may be. Right, Um, right. And I, I call up, and is it is it because you said that it's a zero policy, a zero tolerance policy, zero liability, zero liability. liability. So with right. this policy, am I then is it automatically deducted off of my next payment? Right. So um, banks and credit unions have to follow uh, various regulations um, that are more federal level. So if it's a debit card. It's one policy at the federal level. If it's a credit card, it's a different policy. So what they'll do is they'll deliver um, the cardholder provisional credit while that transaction is in dispute. So they will do an investigation. They'll go to the website that you told them about, find out that there's a lot of complaints about this website. They might talk to Visa about this particular merchant and understand the level of disputes against this merchant, determine that you, in fact, were correct and that this merchant was set up to be a fraudulent merchant and never intended to deliver anything magic. Um, And then they will make that, um, they'll give you credit and then they'll send that charge back to that merchant's bank. Because that merchant was underwritten by a bank as well to get them up and live to be able to collect um, card payments. So merchant banks have a level of due diligence that they're required to do to make a a merchant live on the, in the payments ecosystem. You know, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I'd say like probably 20 years ago, if you wanted to get to be a merchant, I mean, you had to jump through a lot of hoops. You know, you had to go to yeah. the bank. You had to like fill out yeah. uh, all these forms financially you had to like give a little bit of blood just to make sure that you are who you are. And now it's like I can just go like to Spotify, you know, or, or pardon me, Shopify. I can just go to Shopify. And it seems like I'm set up in 10 minutes or so, which is yeah. kind of crazy. But- that is correct. There is, um, there are what we call payment facilitators on the merchant side who can get merchants up and running in very short order. Um, they are they are held liable, um, and they're been but their bank sponsors are held liable for all of that volume. Uh, so there's typically reserves in play um, to make sure that they're setting up good merchants. And when those merchants are live and committing an enormous amount of fraud, those um, those banks that sponsored them into the system have to pay up. That's good because then maybe they are, they'll be more careful in the future. Absolutely. Um, So we're all talking about like flattening the curve, you know, stopping the spread and all the other good phrases. Uh, I noticed that you're using something called flatten the fraud curve. What does that mean? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So essentially what we're trying to do in our public service announcement at Visa is to help cardholders who's their monies are well aware of what phishing means and then the level of sophistication associated with those phishing campaigns. I spend all day every day talking to our banking customers, so banks and credit unions that issue Visa debit and credit cards to U.S. consumers. And what I hear from them is the level of sophistication associated with um, 
phone-based phishing is incredibly sophisticated. So what they're doing is, as I described, you know, buying your profile, there's an enormous amount of data on the dark web about all of us as U.S. consumers, and these fraudsters are incredibly sophisticated with their analytics capabilities. Um, so they know who you are, your mobile phone number, your 16-digit PAN, the, um, the expiration date, and they need one or two more pieces of data to fully monetize everything they have at the level at which they're, they're looking to monetize it. When they call you, they're spoofing your bank phone number. Which is so that, kind of crazy. I mean, you know, and the, it, I've, I saw one yeah. last week where it was a bank. And, uh, you know, if you call this number, that they even have the bank's music on hold. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's like, and really? this is how sophisticated they are. Um, so both with phone-based phishing as well as text phishing, when, you're, when you answer that phone and you're expecting it to be your bank, these people are very professional. They know the U.S. banking system. They know what to say. They've studied that bank. They've called them a number of times. They've recorded their hold music or messaging. And they will put you, you, the targeted consumer, on hold so that you hear that. You start to let your, your guard down. You feel very comfortable because it's everything you've experienced in the past. And then they'll deliver you the, the, you know, the, the message, we see fraud on your account, or we want to make sure you know, your account is, is open and ready for you to use your stimulus money when it's deposited. Um, you know, can you please give me the, the one-time password that I just texted you? Can you read that back to me so that I can authenticate you? And that's yeah. the key, right? Yeah. The key is, is that banks and credit unions do not call consumers to authenticate them. They already know who they are. When they are calling, they're likely legitimately calling to verify fraudulent transactions, but they don't authenticate you. They don't ask you for your mother's maiden name or your social security number or the, the um, security code on the back of your, your debit card or the, um, you know, the one-time password that was just sent to you. They're not asking any of those questions. And in the case where a one-time passcode was sent to your mobile phone, there's a reason for that. And that should create heightened awareness with U.S. consumers. If yeah, that fraudster is attempting to set up Apple Pay, for example, or if they're attempting to get into that consumer's online banking profile and change a password, that bank or credit union is immediately going to text that one-time passcode to the device on file. So when you get an OTP, a one-time passcode, that should create heightened awareness if you're not doing anything to request it. That's definitely true. It is. I, I got one. I got a robocall from a, a so-called bank. So I was just curious, you know, I wonder how this would work. And so um, it was like press one for this and press two. And it was like the whole thing about your accounts locked up. And, you know, it was obvious it was a scam. But mm -hmm. I thought it was I thought it was interesting that at, within three minutes of the call, because I pretended like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm really worried. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, is this something that, I mean, I maybe my kid used the card or, you know, and they said, you know what, why don't you, we're going to transfer you now to our, uh, our technical support department who will be able to help you and they'll be able to log onto your computer. And I'm like, okay, right. there you go. Okay. Remote access. That's yes. the goal, right? 
Yeah, I just, but it, you're right though. It's so sophisticated. You know, how much is a profile? Do you know, last time I saw it was, it wasn't very much money, but maybe you have more recent Not stuff. very much money. Yeah, no, it's no not very much web. money. And yeah, it just a few dollars. And it, but it really depends on what they're getting. So how big is the package of data that is being sold? Is it just a, a, a primary account number, 16-digit number, and expiration date? That's not very much money. It, but there's all of these qualification criteria. So was the account tested? Was it validated that it's good, or, or could it be closed by now? Um, does it come with a, a bunch of other data about that customer into, or that um, consumer in terms of their mother's maiden name, their social security number, their address, their mobile phone number, et cetera? So depending upon the package of data that's being purchased, um, it would be more, but it's not very much money. And it's, what's interesting is when you see these demonstrations you, you likely have in your role, um, uh, on the dark web, it's like Amazon. You're putting you're putting profiles of consumers in your shopping cart, and you're checking out with Bitcoin. Highly yeah. sophisticated. I, you, you know what? I every time I see that, it, I just shake my head. I'm like, how can this just keep going on? I mean, it's it is. It's like an Amazon marketplace. It's like, well, you'll like this if you like this, then you'll like this. You know? <laughs> and and do you need a it's book? Because we have a whole guide to help you figure all this out. <laughs> As long as there are data breaches, they have a business. And with the vast number of data breaches over the last few years and the level of sophistication of those data breaches and the ability for these fraudsters to, through analytics, to package together highly sophisticated profiles of us as consumers, the more they can get out of this. Well, I think we scared everybody, Lori. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) It is, it is It is. very scary, um, and when you are scammed and afterwards you hang up, you're like, oh, that just didn't feel right. right. Just say no. Just say mm-hmm. no. The minute you get a call, just say no. That's true, and my mother always told me, my mother, I went, when I would think I was about, I must have been about 35, and I was struggling making a decision. I don't even remember what it was, and I was talking to my mom, and I said, you know, I, you know, I just, I'm just not sure if I should do this or should do that. And uh, my mother was the, one of the developers of the Unix operating system. I mean, she's brilliant. And she looked at me and she said, how old are you? And I, and I said, yeah, I'm 35. She said, you know, at this point in your life, you should know what to do. And if you don't know what to do, go with your gut. I was like, oh, that's pretty smart. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, so go with your gut. If it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. Totally agree. Um, We want to thank our guests on this Commando On Demand podcast, Lori Hodges on loan from Visa, and of course, Thomas C. Edwards of the United States Secret Service. We hope you found this information helpful, and we will continue to talk about the scams and the hoaxes that are going on with the coronavirus and the COVID-19. And if you found this information helpful, please Do subscribe if you haven't already. You'll get these Commando On Demand podcasts downloaded to your device every week automatically. And if you know somebody who might benefit from this information, certainly we love it if you would share. It helps more people find our podcast. And thanks again for listening. We appreciate that. We'll see you next time on Commando On Demand.